Where United goes, the curse will follow. But when it comes to New Mexico, the curse will lead. When you join the curse, a portion of your membership goes to help New Mexicans from all across the state. Working with organizations like the Read to Me Book Drive, Birthday Project NM, Watermelon Mountain Ranch, CLN Kids New Mexico, Casa Q, and so many more. Join the curse today and help us make New Mexico a better place for tomorrow. Hey, it's New Mexico United defender David Nadrum, and you're listening to the CurseCast. See, it all started one day when I was walking down the street. I look left and I look right thinking, how can life be so nice again? La-da-da-dum, 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 oh, sing it, baby. La-da-da-dum, 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 oh, sing it, baby. All the things that we can be and all the things that we can see. You're listening to The Curse Cast with David Carl and RJ Montano. David and RJ will take you through the latest recaps, news, and interviews from around New Mexico United Soccer. You can shoot us comments or questions at The Curse NM on Twitter, The Curse New Mexico on Facebook, or email the show at thecursenm at gmail.com. And now a part of the beautiful game network and recorded from the studios of ESPN Radio 1017 The Team, here's David and RJ with The Curse Cast. with the curse cast there you go look at that uh my name is david carl i am joined uh by my co-host for the evening not my typical co-host uh but uh, my co-host today filling in for rj montano today that would be mr jake gutierrez jake how's it going man i'm good david thanks for having me rj i miss you already i will be the backup village idiot <laughs> well uh yeah we have we have jake that here. was rj's term rj's term RJ's turn. Well, we, ha- we have Jake here. Uh, we also are joined uh, by somebody far less exciting, uh, somebody who kind of, not kind of, just really sucks. Uh, he's awful. Uh, we don't like him. Uh, I don't know why we keep bringing him on. Uh, and that is Lucas Cash. Lucas, how are you? Oh, just Nobody great. Nobody cares. No uh, one cares. No <laughs> one cares. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the warm introduction, David. Um so happy to be here with you and, and someone who actually likes me. So we'll see what interesting terms this takes tonight. Yeah, so this is weird. This is weird. So I'm used to doing this, uh, obviously, podcast with my co-host, RJ Montano. Uh, RJ is a smart fella. Uh, he knows that Lucas is terrible uh, in every way. And so uh, when Lucas is here, uh, we give him the proper amount of shit that he deserves uh, for being terrible. Um, but mm-hmm. now my co-host for the evening is Jake. Jake, you have made the inescapable mistake of liking Lucas. What's up with that? It's complicated, and at the same time, it's easy. I don't know if you've seen the hitch Netflix show Love is Blind. Lucas and I, on our... Uh, maybe it was during the... Well, to love Lucas, you'd have to be fucking blind. <laughs> <laughs> our Snapchat, <laughs> Snapchat streak. Uh, we, our, our bond has grown, so... I got your back, Lucas. You know, if I align with you and it gets me in trouble, I'll make that decision every time. That's stupid. That's stupid. You're both stupid. Uh, uh, On that note, welcome in. We're we're excited to be here. Again, a little bit different than we're typically used to. Uh, RJ out for the evening. And we are, uh, as we have been for the last few weeks, live on Twitch. Uh, So we've got some some listeners in the chat. I see we got Tina there. We've got Benny there. We've got Katie there. We've got Savannah. Good little group there. And guys, if you want to throw in some questions we'll definitely answer them um 
But yeah, so obviously, gentlemen, we are without USL soccer, without New Mexico United soccer right now. Before we get into kind of the more, I would I, I say, I guess a little more concrete things, let's talk a little more broadly. How are you guys uh, holding up as far as the, uh, the stay-at-home order goes? Well, a lot of um, Google Hangouts online with you guys. Other, other than that, I've been going a little stir-crazy. Um, I... I work from home already, so um, oh, that right. much hasn't changed. But the the uh, option to go and hang out with you people when I want to, that I don't have that anymore. I miss that a lot, so I'm going a little stir-crazy. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. Uh, it's It's been tough for me uh, as well. Lucas, how you holding up, man? Uh, doing great. Uh, so I have the privilege of a very full household, so uh, no, no lack of uh, activities and different fun things to do today, from tea parties to, to walks to the park. Uh, I do miss everyone terribly, uh, and while I won't say I'll never complain about producing a game day again because I am a, a notorious complainer, I will say that that when we do get to get back together, there's going to be a, a whole lot more gratitude than maybe there has been in the past. How is uh, how's Abe holding up? How's he doing? Uh, he's doing wonderfully, actually. So uh, he is the beneficiary of a new iPhone. Uh, big Ooh. big change. Yeah, yeah. So he's. Uh, in the realms of Pokemon and different things like that. Um, Roger's doing great. I think he's he's probably the one that's suffering the most from it because he just doesn't understand, right? When you're a three-year-old and you can't go anywhere, yeah. um, it really does seem like your parents are the worst parents in the world. And so we've been trying to convince him that that's not the case. Uh, and then, yeah, I have an amazing 18-year-old. She's made it so much fun. Uh, lots of Switch games with her. Uh, we have dominated Mario Tennis Aces. Um, and that's probably about a minute and a half more than you wanted me to talk. Sorry, Dave. No, it's fine. <laughs> Just never do it again. Um, so speaking of Nintendo Switch, while we're on that, have you guys, uh, do you have a, a Switch, Jake? Do you have a Switch? No. Okay, Lucas, you have a Switch. I've been thinking about, getting this, I've been thinking about getting this Animal Crossing game. Everybody's going crazy about it. Have you played it? Oh. Uh, I have not played it myself, but I have watched, again, my 18-year-old play it to an exceeding degree. Um, it's just for a certain type of person. Personally, so what I, type of person is that? It's it's someone who is like not not someone who thinks video games are all about like an immediate win or like a, mm. a very serious purpose. It's a very meandering and like uh, philosophical game. It seems to me. And she uh, the other day, just for example, she spent literally an hour and a half like just wandering the same area of like fifteen feet in Animal Crossing, trying to catch tarantulas. And I was like, well, if that's, that isn't a Zen thing, I, I don't know what is. So. Yeah, it sounds like it'd be pretty kind of like uh, relaxing, but I think the word I'm more looking for is like purifying almost. Like you need it in this weird time. It's just like take your mind off things. You're in control of things. I think that's how he said it best to me. It's like I control my economic future and how my town's going to go, and they're all super cute. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um, so plug for animal crossing so so none of you are here to to listen to us talk about a video game that none of us have played but with that said uh let's get into some of the stuff that you actually are here to uh to see us talk about or to listen to us talk about and uh one of the things we're going to start with here gentlemen did you see the uh the usl coaches survey that was published in the athletic did look at you're breaking a little bit on me dave just so you know let's try it again okay Did you guys see the anonymous survey of USL coaches uh, that was done by The Athletic? I did. 
Absolutely. So the only coach I think who didn't participate was Tampa, right? That's right. Yeah. So so Jeff Reuter, uh, Reuter how do I, is it Reuter? It's Reuter, right? I think I should know this. I think I'm sorry. Reuter. I think it's yeah. Reuter. I'm pretty sure it's Reuter. Uh, Jeff Reuter, soccer reporter for the Athletic, uh, does uh, he does some MLS stuff, does some USL stuff. Uh, he did a piece that came out yesterday uh, when we were recording this, recording this on Wednesday. So it came out on Tuesday, uh, and it was a 2020 USL coaches survey, and it was anonymous, uh, surveyed all the coaches in the USL, um, but as you heard Jake say, one coach, Tampa Bay, uh, did not respond to it. And something that I find really interesting about this is this survey was completed before all of this COVID stuff. All of what's right. going on and all of the delays and all of, you know, the concerns about safety and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but asked a lot of really interesting questions um, of these coaches. And again, the thing that I think is really cool about it is that these were answered anonymously. So the coaches maybe feel, Jake, a little bit more freedom to answer honestly. Yeah, I agree they did. And you can tell by some of the responses they absolutely did. Um, and I couldn't help but read it and wonder where Troy might have been on some of these responses. Yeah. But it was nice to see where we landed on a few of these. And I look forward to like hitting those with you guys. Yeah. So let's start with uh, the first one. We're just going to go in order in the article. Which market makes for the best away day in the USL? And one thing that's kind of interesting in this is that, Lucas, you you know this, Um it's essentially two different leagues within the USL. The Eastern Conference does not play the Western Conference except for the championship. So for this first question was, which market makes the, for the best away day in the USL? There is not a single USL Eastern Conference team who has been to New Mexico. I think that's an important point. I, I think it is as well. And, and I think it's something that, you know, while we're in this downtime, it may be worth exploring, right? There have been so many amazing ideas from fans, from supporters of the league, just in, in, in ideas of like, how do we get sort of a different mixture of these teams? How do we, how do we get some more diverse matchups? And so I think, I think that really does reflect that. Um, and there's a lot of those venues that I think a lot of us Western Conference supporters would love to get out to as well. Yeah, I would love to go see a game in Louisville. I would love to go see a game in Tampa. I would, you know, there's a lot of those Eastern Conference venues that I would I would love to go see. And it's not just in the championship either. You know, Madison would be an amazing place to go see a match. Their atmosphere is fantastic. You know, there's there's plenty of places. You know, we were going to go to Greenville before this delay in the U.S. Open Cup. That would have been absolutely awesome. Uh, Jake, do you have the article in front of you right now? I do, yeah. So, and I, I can thought, you run us down uh, which, yeah, which so circuit makes the, the best away day? The teams that, that received more than one vote. Uh, leading the way was Tampa was seven, New Mexico was six, Louisville was five, San Antonio four, Phoenix three, Sacramento and Memphis tied with two. And I, I thought it was pretty interesting, Tampa, and, and they, they listed some sample responses, and most of the responses listed good weather, which Tampa has good weather. Sure. Um, Albuquerque came in second, which I thought was really cool because it's not necessarily a destination city. You don't see, you know, your Austin, your Portland, Nashville. Those are some cities that are cool that if I were a professional athlete, I might want to visit. And so I thought it speaks a lot to our game day experience that we were second and that coaches who maybe haven't even uh, brought their, if they're in the Eastern Conference, they haven't played here. They list our team as a great away day experience. Yeah, and I, I love the quote here. And again, these are anonymous, so we don't know which coach said this. But the quote is, what's happening in New Mexico is an example for all the teams in the league. The way a game day experience should be. Connection with fans and players. Game day experience is electric. 
that's a ringing mm. endorsement of whoever runs the match day experience. You know who that is, Lucas? Uh, no, he's a real tosser, so we don't need to talk about him at all. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, and and uh, I have very little to do with it. Uh, I think you and the curse have a tremendous amount to do with it. I think uh, probably the. 12,000 plus that join you on average every every uh, match we have or have a lot more to do with it than I do but um, no it's incredible and uh, we are the best venue so I'm I'm honestly a little disappointed that that we were second hey, again it's all it's Eastern Conference teams <laughs> haven't been here yet that's the important thing and frankly a lot of the Western Conference teams who have come here have lost so it leaves a sour taste in your mouth I can see why maybe you wouldn't vote for that and Correct. we're also I mean the supporter section is not friendly to away up to opponents. So again, I can see why maybe you think ah, I wouldn't necessarily vote for New Mexico. You know, if, if I'm a we, coach, we have documentation that the Sacramento is terrified of you, right, David? <laughs> which which right. is another reason I think it's so amazing that we finished second in right. this is that it is a tough away game. You have to come and play on a on a pitch that's not the best pitch in the entire USL. You're at altitude against a full crowd who's hostile. It's a very tough away match for your team. Yeah, and for opposing coaches to say that's my favorite one is pretty remarkable. And it says a lot about the the job that the front office does to set up the experience and the curse, like Luke was saying. I mean, it is. I'd want to come and watch a game here, too. And can you imagine, I mean, imagine once we have our stadium, right? Like, the, the current setup, you know, it's obviously, it's a baseball stadium, like you mentioned, Jake. The, the, the pitch is not the best pitch. Um, but when we have our own stadium, you know, we've got a nice pitch. It's in a better location. I mean, that's... Tampa has has their own stadium. Tampa has their own thing set up. You know, they are there's hotels near the stadium. It's all that. We don't have that. So to only be one vote behind that, it's pretty impressive, I gotta say. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um so Tampa first, us second in that one. Uh which away trip do you dread the most? I found this really interesting. And so before I saw the results in this, and I saw that this was one of the questions, I was thinking, okay, it's going to be one of two things for, for people who are voting. It's either going to be, oh, man, I hate going to this place because it's a tough place to play, or it's going to be, I hate going to this place because it just sucks. You know, it's not, that's, that's the wrong way to put it, but it's just, it's, maybe it doesn't have those amenities, or, you know, the turf is tough, or the grass, not the turf, it, the grass is tough. Any number of those things, maybe that's what it is. Um, and it seemed to be the latter, you know, it, it, do you yeah. guys kind of agree with that? It seems like the voting kind of went more towards, ah, I don't like playing in the stadium, as opposed to this is a tough place to play. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And just the, the few conversations I've been privy to, um, the the actual region, the the city, everything around it has a lot to do with with how the players slash coaches feel about going there. Mm-hmm. So, Jake, do you want to, if you if you don't mind, run down uh, kind of how the results shook out on this one? Yeah, sure. So, RGV and our good friend Ron Patel, they were the overwhelming number one, receiving seven votes for the uh, trip that you dread the most. Number two was Reno, eighteen sixty eight, with three votes. Colorado Springs, OKC Energy, also three. New York Red Bulls 2, Charleston Battery, St. Louis FC, and any MLS team all receiving two votes. And I can kind of, from an opposing uh, coach, if I were sending my team to generally an MLS 2 team where you might get less than 1,000 people and it might feel almost like a closed-door match, I can see that that's not something terribly exciting. But the dread list doesn't really strike me as a city you don't want so much want to go, but it, it's an experience. Like you were saying, uh, David, the latter kind of, I believe the word you used was sucks. <laughs> I tried to correct myself on that. 
<laughs> but I mean, Reno's a good place to hang out, and Springs is a nice, nice town too. I really liked were, when we went to Springs. That was a fun trip. Yeah, yeah. So, so and coaches don't want to go there. I find the RGV vote really interesting um, because that's a nice stadium. That's a really HEB Park is a nice park. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and there's a little bit of elucidation a little further down. Uh, one of the coaches said, "Rio Grande Valley, difficult place to get to, and the playing conditions can be equally challenging." So, uh, I've never been. Uh, to Harlingen, Texas. Um, I was planning on going this year, and hopefully we still can. Uh, the way that the delays are currently going, that would be our first match back, would be at RGV. Um, but I, I guess from what it says here, it's a difficult place to get to, com- I guess, from the airport. And when they say the playing conditions can be equally challenging, I'm assuming they're talking about the heat. I don't know. Lucas, any insight on that, you think? Um. The insight on it being hard to get to is absolutely true. Uh, you know, just talking to the operation side of everything, you, you're definitely adding in some sort of rental car aspect to the flight. There's not a direct flight uh, to where RGV plays. Right. Um, and then the field is freaking enormous. I think like all of us, like we, we saw last year when we played that away match there uh, early on, like that field is just gigantic. So yeah, combine that with the heat, um, combine that with probably a fair amount of humidity and combine that with just an absolutely gigantic pitch. I'm sure it's a, it's a very difficult situation. Yeah. This is something that comes up later in the article, but they talk about baseball pitches being smaller and they have, and having to change tactics is how, how much larger do you know, is the, the pitch down at RGB? Is it comically large? Is it, or is it just 200 yards long? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember the numbers at all, and I'm not going to embarrass myself trying, but I will tell you, like, RGV is at the remote side of the range, and we're at the, the minimum side of the range. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Well, I, I, I remember correctly last year, Lucas, uh, a couple matches into the season, maybe just two or three home matches into the season, we actually expanded our pitch and made it a little wider. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I think it was after the first one, honestly. And and that's just a testament to Pete, right? Like, he is not someone to sit back and, and uh, tolerate any sort of uh, discomfort with the way it's looking. So he looks at it and he's like, I think we could instantly uh, increase this by at least a couple yards. So we did. And that was uh, just and- the width, not the length, correct? That's the width, yeah. Length length has always been been pretty fine with it. Yeah, it's just the width of it that is is strange and disconcerting for people, and I love it. Okay, all right. Up next, hey, Lucas, are Sorry, there minimum dimensions that you know of that are required by the league? There are. I just can tell you the numbers, Jake. And thanks just for embarrassing me. <laughs> thanks for your help, Lucas. That was really great. Uh, <laughs> uh, up next in this uh, anonymous survey for the coaches, uh, which club has the best? fan culture mr gutierrez um leading the way uh is your new mexico united hey! followed by Lou city with nine phoenix rising with eight uh memphis 901 with three votes tampa bay sac republic and indy 11 uh with two votes followed by any mls2 team so new mexico united far and away uh the best fan culture Voted by the coaches. Who are the two coaches that voted for any MLS2 team on this? <laughs> what? Come on. Come on. I, uh, like, name the MLS2 team that has the best fan culture. Name it right now. How about uh, Montreal uh, Monarchs, maybe? So, yeah. Mon- sure. I'm definitely going to watch. I yep. mean, they're probably, they're probably the best fan culture as far as a two-team is concerned. But to put them in the best fan culture in the league, I think, is a no. little ridiculous, right? 
more than a little. Yeah, like the, they, yeah. They, they seem like really great people. You know, we've had conversations with them online. We like the Wasatch yep. Legion. They're really nice. But to, argue, to say the best. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Those two two drunk coaches, I guess. Um, but anyway. Uh, hot takes. Hot takes. Hot takes. The, 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 two, the most important takeaway from this, obviously, right at the top of that list, as Jake Gutierrez mentioned, New Mexico United. How about that? In year one, gentlemen. Not really arguable, I don't think. No. From from the efforts that the well, the culture of the of the club and the the supporters group that goes beyond the match day, that goes into the community in Albuquerque and throughout the whole state, is something that hooked me when the team started. I liked the game and I wanted to watch the game, but seeing everything that was going on with the the club getting involved and then the curse getting involved, it's a an extremely beautiful thing and i think it's it's far and away the uh yeah it's it's inarguable that this is the best fan culture in the league yeah i I, i'm inclined to agree with you and you know we talked about the the difference between western conference and eastern conference interesting to see here there's kind of a top tier you know new mexico united at 10 louisville city at nine phoenix rising at eight so 18 of those top 27 votes are western conference clubs that's really interesting to see because that means some eastern conference clubs went over to the West on this. Lucas? Yeah, and I think it's it's sort of undeniable for them. I mean, uh, this this league really got its its foothold in the East, and, and that's really where its roots lie. But I think probably some of its, uh, its more fruitful ventures lie outside that. And uh, Phoenix, as much as we hate them, is an incredibly successful organization. Uh, you uh, and the rest of the supporter group, wrote a new book on what it means to support an American soccer club. And so it's it's not a surprise, right? I think probably a lot of those individuals have ESPN plus and when they're like uh, going yeah. to a hard victory or different things like that, they're watching those New Mexico United home games and they're seeing like, this is unreal. Uh, Pete said it best after the first game, you guys have continuously been like the French revolution and, and it's incredible watching um, and yeah, much deserved, much deserved. Number one there. Vive le New Mexico United. Um, and, and I think you make a good point there, Lucas. You know, obviously, Eastern Conference, Western Conference, different time zones. So, you know, you, you finish up your match. Uh, if you're an Eastern Conference fan, you know, you're a Pittsburgh Riverhounds fan. Let's go with that. That's the Eastern time zone. Uh, right. You finish up your match. You know, Pittsburgh beats, I don't know, Miami, the Miami FC. Uh, and then you tune in. You're, All right, let's find the Western Conference match that we want to watch because, you know, yep. it's a couple hours behind us. Ah, let's tune into New Mexico United. Holy shit. Look at those fans. Yeah. Look at that atmosphere. Look at what's going on. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Well, and, and again, hats off to Peter on this, right? We easily could have shot from the third baseline, right? That was probably a little bit logistically easier. Maybe we deal with a little bit of a you know net in the shot, but probably a lot easier. But Pete was so insistent, like, no, we have got to show these people to America. We have got to export New Mexico. Let's figure out a way to get it out there. And then, again, we have a brilliant broadcast engineer, Dave. You know Gary Williams. Gary's He's wonderful. In business. But, yeah, figured out a way for us to get out there. Um, and holy moly, I think uh, everyone who's ever watched a New Mexico United match has benefited from that. Yeah, I mean, and everyone who's been in the stadium is well aware that that atmosphere uh, around the stadium, this isn't just a supporter section thing. This is around the stadium. Uh, the atmosphere is electric. Um, and, you know, that goes to the supporter section. That goes to two of five front row. That goes to every fan in pick your section one, 
17. I, it doesn't matter. Uh, the fans are into it. The fans are loud. The fans are excited. Um, and yeah, it's it's unmatched. And we went to some of these away games last year. Obviously, we didn't go to Loose City last year, but we went to Phoenix. Um, and, you know, they had a great atmosphere, too. Um, not as good as ours. Uh, that's I don't think that's really up for much debate. Um, you know, they, they said it was a sellout. It certainly was not. Uh, we were there. We have eyes. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of great atmospheres around the USL, and uh, ours is just the best. So hey hey, how about that? Hey hey, hey. Uh, that's that's uh, that's something that I can't even put words or thoughts around. It's just again it, from day one, it's just been incredible. Yeah, and uh, Benny in the chat here, Gentle Ben says all calculations based on our experiences elsewhere fail in New Mexico. Quote. Mr. Lou Wallace, the namesake of the curse. Absolutely. So uh, moving on to the next one, how many clubs in your conference do you personally see as, quote, easy wins when they visit your stadium? I found this really, really interesting um, because this is anonymous, right? So we, we mentioned at the top, Jake, this is an anonymous survey. So we expected we expect the coaches to be honest with this. So if this is their honest take, these results – I think that's really, really interesting. Jake, uh, if you don't mind, give us the results of this and then your take on on kind of these results. Yeah, so 30 votes came in saying that there are zero easy wins um, in the league and four said that there are one to two. That's and wild. I, I, Sorry, go ahead. I kind of take the opposite from you, though. I think that we saw teams that throughout the season last year that we thought we're going we're gonna to take this one. This is an easy one. And on any given day, um, it could be the environment, it could be injuries, but these guys are all professional athletes and they're all trying to turn up. And some of these guys, even the ones that, that are lower in the table, maybe they're affiliate teams and they're hungry to get back up to their, to their top, top level side. And mm-hmm. so I think, I think that the, the level of competition is pretty close and I don't think there's any gimmies. I so, kind of agree with the coaches. So I, w- I was honestly expecting because this was anonymous, you can kind of throw the coach speak out the window. And obviously you expect your managers to be like, oh, yeah, when, when they're talking to the media or to fans or to anybody publicly, they would say, oh, no, every match is, you know, a tough match and there's no gimmies in this league. But privately, I kind of expected them to say, oh, yeah, we can beat this team. You know, that's that's no big yeah. deal. They come into our house. We're going to beat them. No problem. I was shocked to see 30 of 34 coaches say zero, Lucas. I'm more shocked by the four who didn't. Like, really? just hang yeah yeah just hanging out with coach culture like that's just that's just not how they're wired man like Mm. that's that's speak between people like us like they're gonna survey people like us we're gonna definitely give them fodder for who an easy win is sure but i i I look at you know just conversations with troy or conversations with with other individuals that i've met that are at kind of high ranks of coaching and it's just that's just not their focus like I'm I'm really really again I'm not joking when I say the four who actually had an answer are more shocking to me than the thirty who are like nah the, you know you never know what's going to happen. Just going back to Jake's point, so many different things can happen. Uh, it, it it really is again any given match, and uh, so yeah, I don't I don't take any of them for granted. Yeah, and I, I guess that goes to show you the mentality of a coach and why I couldn't be one. Uh, it's it's that you know they they don't take it for granted. You know they they. I guess if you had the mindset that I'm kind of portraying here in that I'm saying, okay, yeah, we could beat this team, no problem. That's when you slip up. That's when you lose. That's when you don't focus enough, Jake. Uh, and again, that's why Troy Lassane, well, that's not true. That's one of about 10,000 reasons Troy Lassane is a head coach and I'm not. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, moving on. Oh, actually, I want to put a quote here. Um 
the parity is so tight and the rosters fluctuate so much that it's very hard to predict an outcome. That's an interesting point too, the roster fluctuation. And I wonder right. if they're talking specifically with regard to MLS two teams there, Jake. I think it could be. And I recall when we played, I think it was RGV last year and there was an influx of players from Dynamo down to RGV. And I want to say there was five or six guys that were pushed down, Yep. which however that affects the team, you're getting you're getting some different guys that come down and they're being sent down from their parent club and they want to prove something. And I remember when you guys had Manny on the on the show last year, he talked about how that can in some ways disrupt chemistry and not necessarily help the team. But it is it is an element of change in his side. And a team that you expect to be a gimme, then you have a bunch of guys who might have might be considered more talented and they're coming down and everything's disrupted and everything's uh, up in the air at that point. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I was going to bring up that conversation with Manny. He yeah, he talked about when he was with RGV, when Dynamo would send down players, it was annoying to him. It was frustrating. And, and you can imagine why. You, you bust your ass in practice. You do everything you can either to make the starting 11 or to make the 18 on the match day roster or, or whatever it may be. And these guys, you know, they send down, let's say, I don't know, three, four, five players. And those guys are just automatically, because the parent club sends them down and, and they say so, those guys are just automatically into the starting 11. Yeah, that sucks. That would be so frustrating uh, as a player. But... The other side of the coin, Lucas, is you could make the argument, I don't know that I necessarily agree with this, but you could make the argument, okay, these guys are in the MLS, they should inherently be slightly more talented. Um, so, I don't know, we, we've had the conversation about MLS two teams being able to send players down. I think overall it's more of a detriment, Lucas. Uh, your thoughts on that? Um, I'm actually going to go towards a game I watched early on in the season last year, and it doesn't involve New Mexico United at all. But it was a it was a Tacoma Defiance Sacramento Republic game, um, and we all know that Sacramento has kind of been uh, a mainstay of the league for a long time. Um, but what had happened is Sounders had decided to send down a significant amount of their first team players to play for Tacoma, and I can only imagine how frustrated the entire Sacramento staff was. It was like Tacoma, which is a, a respectable organization, but normally made up of developmental young players and and not necessarily, again, there's never an easy win, but but certainly not MLS um, conditioned players. And it was just, it was a game changer, right? Sacramento essentially went into that thinking, you know, we're probably going to be okay in this. And they end up essentially playing a, a slightly depleted Sounders squad right. uh, in an unofficial open cup match and uh yeah so i just i i really do think it's a huge skew that really really puts a, a big challenge and a big barrier in in front of those coaches that are that are trying to plan around playing a two team yeah i i'm inclined to agree with that i'm inclined to agree all right let's move on uh to the next question in this again anonymous survey which conference is better from top to bottom again 34 coaches answering this question uh jake um, of the uh, coaches who answered, 22 gave the Eastern Conference a nod for being the tougher conference and 12 the Western Conference. And um, my, as I've been a fan of the USL for a year now, I can say with confidence that it seems like I haven't watched any Eastern Conference. I'm not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> but the Western Conference seems to be, from everything I've read, uh, more attacking and maybe more free-flowing in the Eastern Conference is a bruising conference. Yeah. So maybe it's a tougher conference. I'm not sure. What do you guys think about it? Uh, I'm, I'm 
as far as styles go, I I agree with that. I think I think the USL is more uh, wide open. It's more of a Premier League to the Eastern Conference's Italian League, Serie A. Um, you know, I I think I think it just kind of it makes sense. You know, you have more goals scored in that Western Conference, fewer in the Eastern Conference overall. Um, but more goals does not the better conference make. I think there are five coaches uh, in this survey who are traitorous. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it, in all seriousness, I, I think if if you you know held a water gun to my head and said you know you know bet put your money on if if the number one seed in the West plays the number one seed in the East, number two plays the number two, and all the way down, which conference will come out with? more wins, I would probably agree with this uh, and say the Eastern Conference, as much as it does pay me to, pay me to say that, Lucas. Uh, yeah, no, I I, uh, I think you're right. And, and I think it all, uh, devil's in the details, right? I think it all comes down to, what do you mean when you say top to bottom, right? Like, what is that? Like, there are incredible people up here, incredible people down here. Um, and so I think if you're just talking about parity, I would be the first person to say that maybe there's a little bit more in the Eastern Conference. Just monitoring what happened in their table uh, throughout 2019, it was it was dynamic, man. And uh, any any given week, it was a new team that was incredible. So um, I, I honestly have to agree. I'm sorry, Jake. Uh, I just think there's there's just a little bit more peakiness in the way. I don't I don't know enough, but uh, David and RJ were talking on United Weekly about flipping everything upside down and having alternate solutions to this season. But some of the multi-divisions and East playing the West, like that'd be kind of cool. And like the old American and National League never played each other. And you never really knew who was better. And we kind of don't know here either, except for the championship. I think it'd be kind of cool in the USL if we really knew if those teams played each other. I agree. So let's just, for, for sake of argument and for a little bit of fun here, um, looking at the... Do, 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 2019 season uh let's take your top seeds uh let's go all the way not all the way down but let's go for a little while pittsburgh riverhounds your number one seed in the eastern conference they play phoenix rising who wins that match i would say phoenix but uh i hate to say that but i think that's accurate jake i i would too but i only watch one of those teams if i'm being very honest and i hate phoenix and i'm saying phoenix would win yeah i think phoenix would win as well so that's one another yeah. western conference two nashville uh Plays Reno eighteen sixty eight. Uh, I'm gonna give that one to Nashville, honestly, uh, just based on a defensive sort of prowess and our our heel against Reno every time was that uh, that we just couldn't shut him down at the end. So I'd give that one to Nashville. I agree, Jake. I'm gonna follow Lucas because I want to follow Lucas wherever he goes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to keep going with know this enough. charade for a few enough. more. Uh, Fresno, the three seed against Indy 11. I'll take this one. I'll, I'll choose Fresno because Fresno looked dangerous to me all last year. And Indy 11, when I did see them, they were playing on a, on the uh, Lucas, what, Lucas Oil, Lucas Oil Football Stadium, field? yeah. It was that that bothered me a lot. So just from an aesthetic <laughs> standpoint, but also Fresno was a, was a dangerous team all year, even through the playoffs. So I, I think Fresno would beat them. Lucas Fre Fresno was incredible. Uh, I am so glad that was the team we got to play with in the in the first round, but our our, our very first game in franchise history. Uh, totally devastating that they're not around anymore. So I wanted to make a ghost joke about how like they would defeat the other option with ghost powers but the bare bones back to the matter is fresno was incredible 
Um, and I think towards the end of the season, they they lost a little bit of form, just what was going on from like an organizational standpoint. Um, but yeah, what a, what a great squad and, and and how sad it is they won't be with us in, in 2020. Yeah, I was going to say Indy 11 wins this because Fresno doesn't exist anymore. Um, but top to bottom, Indy, Indy was a better team, in my opinion, last year than Fresno was. So those are your top three. Now I want to go bottom three, all right? You've got Colorado Springs against Swope Park Rangers. I'm taking Springs in that. You take them every single time. Uh, that's that's our gritty homeboys. Yeah, they, Colorado Springs is is why New Mexico United was in the playing round in twenty nineteen. Like that's a tough squad, dude. They were down a man. Uh, every every excuse to lose that match, and uh, for some reason they just they just love their brothers from the south. So yeah, I take Springs every time in that. Jake. Yeah, I agree totally. Springs was gritty against us, and uh, Andrew Bolte in the chat says Indy 11 were very good. I'd choose them, um, and I think he would take Springs too. So whatever Andrew says, Andrew's like the trivia go-to guy, so I'm you I'm going to guess he would say Springs, and he's right. Andrew knows all. I would, I, Andrew and I, we, we agree on that so far. Indy 11 is what I would go with, and Andrew lives in Colorado Springs, so he's going to definitely going to take them. Uh, no, in the market. 17th, 17th would be Tacoma against Hartford <laughs> Athletic. Uh, so I'm taking Hartford in that situation. Your thoughts? Does Trey Muse come up with 13 saves in the match for Tacoma? Because if he does, I'll take them. Uh, they Again, our away match that we just watched this last weekend, they scored in like, what, the third or fourth minute? Yep. They get one of those in there. Trey Muse comes up with 13 saves. It's in the bag for Tacoma. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, think, I think overall Hartford is a better team. If Trey Muse is on his game, I think that's a good shout. But that's a hell of a lot to ask from, from Trey Muse on a consistent basis. Tacoma Defiance has an excellent logo with a battleship and a giant <laughs> octopus that is swarming it. Yeah, Kraken. Thank you. And so uh, uh, they're not going to lose to Hartford Athletic. And that is science, <laughs> friends. That makes sense. That's just science. Yeah, and Love then it. and then we'll we'll round that out the charade. Sixteenth, uh, Bethlehem Steel now Philadelphia Union two against Tulsa Roughnecks. Uh, I would take Not Tulsa. In the, I'd take Tulsa in this matchup. Absolutely. Please, I'm sorry, Jake. You go first this time. I've I was going to say, regardless whether this match was played in 2019 or 2020, if it was 2019. Tulsa, I think, started rounding into form towards the end of the year. But yeah, they they've did. made so many uh, uh, key acquisitions um, this year, some of which are mentioned in this article. But I'm even wearing the Tulsa hot dog scarf. And Rainbow so, Wieners. Yeah, Tulsa. Rainbow Wieners, totally. I'm going uh, Tulsa, without a doubt. Yeah, it's uh, it's unanimous. Definitely Tulsa in this one. Uh, uh, I, I have not forgotten who came from Bethlehem Steel slash. I don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who? Yeah, stop. Worst. Um, But so with that said, we had the top three and the bottom three. So that's six. I had four and two to the Eastern Conference. I think you guys each had three and three split. So I guess that's a slight indication that the Eastern Conference is a little bit better just from our uneducated opinions, um, but also particularly close as well. Yeah, they've just had a lot of time to build up those rosters, man. Like, again, I think it goes back to the history of it. I, uh, I really do think that being around for a couple more years it helps you get your, your feet a little bit more set organizationally. Um, you know how to go after the right players, but I don't think the Western Conference is in any way behind. Uh, I think it's it's marginal at best. I agree. I think, I think you put an Eastern Conference team against a Western Conference team, and on any particular day, that Western Conference team can win. Absolutely. 
All right, moving on. Which players is slash are most likely to have the potential to start in the MLS? I thought this was an interesting wording of the question. Not make an MLS squad, but be a starter in the MLS. And this is players who are currently in the USL. So this isn't like an Adam John who went to the MLS. Um, Jake, results and your thoughts, please, sir. Um, leading the way is Solomon Asante from Ooh. Phoenix with nine votes. Keep the booze coming because there's more Phoenix players. Christian Ferrano from San Antonio has five votes. Uh, Tyler Pasha from Indy with four. Two votes apiece for Kavon Lambert Ooh. from Phoenix. Junior Flemings from Phoenix. <laughs> Malik Johnson from Tampa. Okay. And uh, Douglas Martinez from Real Monarchs. Okay. So solo with nine votes, Christian Prano five. And then if you look at the bottom there, 28 other players get a vote. I'd be really interested to see who those one vote players are, all 28 of them. But yeah. I mean, if I, if I had to ask you guys which player on our team is most likely to play for the MLS, it's a tough question because we've had a bunch of guys who have played. And I don't think right. the gap between their league and our league is so great. Once you take out the DPs, I think it's 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 a... Uh, it's not too far of a gap at all. So the most likely, and again, I think the wording of this question is really important. The most likely to start in the MLS. Uh, if if I've got a pick here, I think it's it's the guy who is on trial with an MLS club and frankly could have made the club. That's Cody Mizell. Uh, that's the first one to come to my mind. I think uh, I think that just kind of makes sense. Uh, again, he he did really well. If you any of you guys had the chance in the off season to watch his trial with NYCFC, he played really really well. Um, yeah, that just kind of makes sense to me. Your guys' thoughts? I, that's, that's a really good shout, Dave, and I don't know that I can do anyone better than that. I think the only thing I could think of is, like, who is a, a player that we have to, that just has this, like, yeoman's mentality and, like, someone gets hurt in warm-ups, which we saw happen a couple of different times, and they've, like, got to step up, and they've got all the potential and all the skill in the world, like... Um, honestly, to me, it would be like someone like Rashid Tete, right? Like they get a lot of eyes on him because he is so young. There's there's a lot of potential and very similar to how he had to do for us. Like his, his debut could be in a in a situation that that was not otherwise uh, positive. And we've got a couple. We've got a shout in the uh, in the chat here. Andrew Bolte says, in his opinion, uh, Chris Weehan. I think that's a great shout. Jake, your oh, thoughts yeah. on that? And if you guys have uh, thoughts in the chat, let us know who you think uh, would 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 fit that mold. But Jake, what do you think? Bees is a great pick, and and talking about Cody when he was on his trial, we saw how successful he was and how great he performed. And I think for all of us, we were torn between we want him to do well and also shit he might leave us. If yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, know? that's right. And and so I think that just speaks to to how how close it is. And I don't think that I think any number of guys uh, of our guys could be successful and they could start. And it's tough to pick a name. I think Rashid's a great pick. I think Bees is a great pick. Um, Amando Moreno, who went from the USL up to Chicago Fire, he didn't get the minutes he wants, but in in the time we have a number of guys that could. So it's really hard for me to pick one. So Lasante, sure, he's he's a talented guy. Um, uh, it's hard, hard to argue for or against any of these guys because I think the USL is is a really good league, and I think a lot of these guys could could do well up there. Yeah, I think Solo Asante. I don't I don't agree with it. One, I mean, obviously, there's I just don't like him. But in addition to that, um, he's was thirty one. I think thirty one. It's just I don't see foresee a situation where a guy at thirty one is going to get the call up to the MLS and become a starter like that. I just I just don't see it. I don't see it. 
I, I don't think going into to any sort of trial situation or any sort of practice situation and just being so incredible that he he blows someone's mind. Like I could I could take nine or ten of our players or hell I could take all of our players right and see them going into a situation where where they're being evaluated and all of a sudden they're the standout person right, right they're right. the getting eyes on them. I just, I just don't see that from, from a lot of the other individuals on this list. And so uh, I think this is kind of a funky question. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult question to answer. And I think it's easy to get sucked into, okay, who did I vote for for MVP? You know, and, and that's, that gets you to your solo Asante. Also important to remember, he's a really undersized guy, incredibly talented. Nobody denies that. But I, I just I don't see him being able to match the physicality that a backline in the MLS would have. Just my opinion on that. Yeah, no, those checklists those checklists are tough. What they're what they're evaluating for, and, and, and size is always a part of that, and, and grit. And so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on, Jake. What was your favorite player acquisition by a USL club other than your own, Mister Gutierrez? Uh, the winning uh, vote here was Lebo Motolo to FC Tulsa with three votes, tied with uh, a guy, um, Santi Moore Ooh. to Phoenix Rising. Hope I pronounced that right. Not familiar with the name. Yeah. Forrest Lasso to Tampa Bay Rowdies, Corbin Bone to Lou City, and Nico Brett to Birmingham Legion. Uh, so I love the Lebo Mulatto move. That's a great move. Um, I am shocked. I am shocked that Dane Kelly to Charlotte Independence was not on here. I, I don't. Dude. I, I don't get that. How is that? How did that not get more than one vote? Yeah, no, I, I have no idea. What about the uh, defender to San Diego? And again, not to be too much of a homer, but what about Kalen Wright to New Mexico? Jeez, guys. Yeah, no, we yeah. were. I was, and I was gonna uh, mention that next. I mean, that's one of the signings of the offseason. I mean, he's he's one of the best defenders in the USL, um, and coming to a team that. He'll just he fits so perfectly bombing down the end like that because we play with wingbacks. That's a fantastic signing. And I think the important thing with these signings is, okay, it's not just a player who's talented, but it's a player who's going to thrive in the system. And Kalen Ryden is that for New Mexico United. Yeah, Kalen Ryden is, uh, he's been, he, he sh- I'm surprised he's not on this list. And then Joe Greenspan was my pick for San Diego. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that he was not on this list. And Kalen Ryden, I, if I could take a quick second and just shout out to Kalen and Jade for their off season, the social media. It's so good. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're, you're getting us through guys. It's, it's content like that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, but. But the, yeah, there are, there are a few picks on here. I, I Santi got a lot of a lot of uh, press when he when, when that signing was. But I think there are more more important uh, acquisitions. And I think Joe Greenspan, um, that expansion team in San Diego, and he was the pl- defensive player of the year in the East, and they snagged him. And they're trying to build, uh, you know, a, a top notch defensive team. And I think that was huge. That would be my number one. Yeah, I think I think Mulatto for me is is probably number one. I think that's well placed. Santi Moore to Phoenix. Again, we mentioned earlier, it's fitting the system, and he's not even going to start in a lot of matches. I mean, Phoenix is a very talented team. You know, we don't like him. We can say all we want. They're a very talented yeah. team. I don't see Santi Moore as a regular starter for that club. So the fact that he's tied for first in this doesn't necessarily make sense to me. When a guy like Joe Greenspan is going to go in there and immediately make a huge difference in San Diego, and a guy like Kalen Ryden is going to make a huge difference and provide a, another... Um, I guess another angle or another uh, aspect to the attack for New Mexico United, in addition to being a great defender. Again, I think 
big names got the got the, the kind of the shout here from a lot of managers as opposed yeah. to names that fit the system and make the club okay. better. Yeah, I, I, I still love Santi. I, I uh, <laughs> wish him well, except for the two games. But he played, he led our team in minutes, if, if I'm not mistaken. He played 3,300-something minutes with us, and he's just not going to get the same amount of time. And as impactful as he was for us, I don't think he's going to be able to have the same impact because Phoenix is a very good and deep team, and I don't think he's going to see as many minutes. But So I don't think he's going to be as impactful in acquisition as some of the other guys. And speaking of minutes, you mentioned that. So obviously everybody's minutes, if there are fewer game matches this year, are going to be down. I'm interested, this brings me to just like a thought that's completely outside of this. Are we going to like, as far as statistics go, how are we going to do this? Are we going to like change everything to like a per match basis now to compare it to other seasons? How are we doing this, guys? I have no idea. Uh, Again, these are the thoughts that keep me up late at night, but... Uh, yeah, how do you do it? This is unprecedented, uh, not just from like our league and our sports perspective, but just from a, a humanitarian perspective. How, how do you measure like things during this time? Because it's it's all just so skewed and also crazy. Um, maybe we can do something where like goals count as three if you shoot them from <laughs> three pointers. Oh god! Corrective, some corrective actions. We can do it. We're that's smart. that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and I've talked to you a lot, so. <laughs> I think we'll see some John Hollinger style per stats where you get per 90 or something that that equalizes the amount of of time that players are on. So if you don't if you're not playing, you know, 36 matches or whatever, it'll be per 90 minutes on the pitch or adjusted. There'll have to be some sort of statistical adjustment because, yeah, as much as we all want these guys to play at home and home with every team may may not happen and there'll have to be some 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 kind of uh, sliding adjustment yeah um get into some soccer saber metrics and all that fun stuff that we uh yeah that we all enjoy quite quite a bit um any other thoughts on this one before we move on to the next question favorite acquisition by a club not your own yeah no i think i think this is inherently a question that's just gonna be a big name thing like you said dave like whatever seems like the biggest name is gonna win the day regardless of how it it fits into the system yeah i I can't get over the fact that that kaylin ryan's not on those lists but neither here nor there um let's move on to the most underrated player in the league i like this question a lot jake um three three players received multiple votes Canardo Forbes from Pittsburgh Riverhands received four. Jack Blake from Real Monarchs, two. Kevon Lambert from Phoenix, two. 21 other players got a solitary vote. Yeah, and it's another one of those ones where I'm like, oh, man, I really want to know who those 21 other players are. I would love to see that. I think I think as much as I don't necessarily, again, I don't like Phoenix Rising, I think Kevon Lambert's a good shout here. I think he was one of the keys to success for them last year. Solo Asante got all the all the praise, and Adam John got all the praise. Kevon Lambert was quietly an incredibly good player last year. Um, and Jack Blake is, I mean, come on, talk about a leader. Um, you know, it, it's more than just your play on the field. It's it's your leadership ability. And Jack Blake is one of the best leaders in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, no, those are, I'm sorry, Jake. Those are those are two incredible folks. Like, yeah, uh, Kevon Lambert is he's dominant, man. Like, he really is. You watch how he runs a midfield. Like, it is it is very very impressive. And I hate to say that, but uh, but I can't deny it. No, and Jack Blake was he not the captain of Real Monarchs? He was. So he's. It's hard to to see him as necessarily underrated because I think he might be properly rated, if anything. Um, 
But I think maybe the most underrated player in the league might be Sammy Sergi based on his um, <laughs> meteoric preseason with us. That that's I think that might have been a really a really clever pick by our by our, uh, by our team. Okay. <laughs> that's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, a guy who has uh, zero USL goals to his name. Um, right. That's that's incredibly underrated. I couldn't agree more. With the numbers. <laughs> Yes. Okay, fair. Um, Cornado Forbes, uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds, also a good shout on that. Uh, but as we have all indicated throughout this podcast, we are much more Western Conference centric. Uh, so I can't really get into detail on that, gentlemen. Sorry. No, no need to apologize. I can't either. Okay. So this is, I, I'm going to get upset at this. Ne- the answers to this next question. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's who's the most overrated player in the league? And before uh, you get upset on this uh, or, or assume that I'm upset about a New Mexico United player being included. They're not. It's not a New Mexico United player. This just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Jake, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Forrest Lasso from Tampa Bay Rowdies received three votes tied with Dane Kelly from Charlotte Independence and nine other players received one. Eight coaches did not answer this question. What the, what do you f- matter? What the f- Dane Kelly is one of the <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a big Dane Kelly fan. I, I really am. I he, he's he is the best player in the history of one of the most historic teams in the history of this league. He is the was the face for years of Indy 11, a club that is 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 again one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, one of the best teams in the entire USL. He was their best player for years. I I I don't get this. I don't. And again, it's important to note that only three coaches voted for him, and that's tied for the most. But what three coaches voted Dane Kelly as the most overrated player? I don't get it. I want to know them. Yes. Right. These sort of these are the sort of salty guys at the bar that like get you through the long hours, or maybe I could video conference with them, and they could just hate for two hours over a Zoom stream about like why someone's overrated. I just don't get these people. Like I, this is a, a an alien personality to me. Someone that's like so and so is overrated. Like what are you even talking about? Like who is rating them on any grand scale? And they're a professional athlete. Dane Kelly, I'm with you, Dave. Like that's a ridiculous one. That guy is a beast. Yeah. It, again, it doesn't necessarily make any sense to me. Um, important to point out, though, Jake. Um, again, there are 34 votes, 34 coaches who participated in this survey. Uh, let's see, nine, twelve. Only 15 voted on this. Um, that means nine coaches, uh, or roughly a quarter of the league, declined to even answer this question. Yeah, I think coaches were probably trying to be deferential. And even though it's anonymous, they don't want to state that anybody's overrated, which is cool. I get that. But uh, to your your point, uh, I I, I do have a feeling if you're going to vote for a guy who is he is uh, pretty he has a lot of accolades in the league to to vote for him as overrated does seem salty as a good word. And maybe maybe a coach felt wronged or they were beaten by the guy a couple of times. And that's why you want to when he pop pop that tag on the guy um because he's only 29 years old according according to the article so it's not like his ship has sailed here yeah and Forrest lasso also a hell of a player as well so don't agree with either one of those and again not pissed off because a new mexico united player was included because they weren't um no. th- next one which opposing current or former usl coach do you admire the most i agree wholeheartedly with the winner on this uh jake Jake, you're not Lilly the winner. From, That's not what I was saying, but you, uh, you got it. I was in the running. I was one of the 15 who received one vote. <laughs> Bob Lilly, Fis- uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds, received 10 votes. Mark Dos Santos uh, from Swope Park Rangers got four, and Mark Lowry from El Paso Locomotive got two. 
Yeah, uh, Bob Lilly is is the right answer here. I mean, if you're not going to vote for Troy Lussane, uh, which you should, but if you're not, uh, Bob Lilly has been just a staple in American soccer for decades. You know, he was, he was a legendary coach with the Rhinos and, and the Impact and the Whitecaps before he went to Pittsburgh, and he's been a fantastic coach there. They've been one of the best clubs in the Eastern Conference for years, thanks to Bob Lilly. Uh, so that that is the right answer, in my opinion. I, I, I almost suspect that, that Troy was in on that. If it wasn't for Mike Jeffries at, at Charlotte, I'm sure he got a, he got one of those one in there as well. But yeah, Bob Lilly is, is just revered across the board. Yeah. Since we're referencing an athletic piece, I think it's appropriate to mention there was a really nice piece done about Mark Lowry and about how he's, he's tried to shape the game down at El Paso and, and, and in the Western Conference larger. And, and instead of making it a, a, a lot of uh, long balls and free-for-alls, he's been trying to, to shape uh, a, new, a, new, a new style in El Paso that's uniquely El Paso. And it was a really fascinating piece where we stand on the team or, or the league. So I, I would like to point that out. And if you're not a subscriber, The Athletic is, has a lot of good USL pieces. And that piece on Lauer is really good. So I'd recommend you guys to check it out. We are not sponsored by The Athletic, uh, Jeff Reuter, or any of those folks. Yeah. Uh, I no. think we might be the only soccer podcast left in the world that is not sponsored by The Athletic. Uh, so come at us. Get, get us. Give us some money, Jeff Reuter. Um, anyway... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We we love the BGN. Those are our folks. Um, but anyway, Bob Lilly's the right shout, right. and and I I think Mark Lowry's a good shout too. I mean, he's doing he's doing yeah. uh, he's doing a great job with a club again first year last year uh, and going to the Western Conference Final. Um, no, Mark Lowry's a really good shout as well. Um, moving on, this is this is a really interesting question here because again, this question was asked a month and a half ago ish. Who is more likely? to come out of retirement and play for their USL club, Landon Donovan or Tim Howard. Jake, the results. Uh, so neither led the way with 19 votes because, right? And then oh, yeah, Tim, right. Howard, <laughs> Tim Howard got 11 votes, Landon Donovan three, and one coach said both. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that coach? <laughs> Uh, Maybe it was San Diego hoping that Landon would, knowing that that Tim Howard would, as it turned out. Landon Donovan, that was his vote. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Uh, but no, I, I find that the reason this is really interesting uh, is that Tim Howard did come out of retirement and play the first match uh, for Memphis 901 FC. And by the way, played terribly. Um, he was the worst goalkeeper in the league in week one. Everybody has bad weeks, but it was particularly bad for him. Um I find this so funny. I find it so funny. I, if I was a coach and I was asked this question, I would have said neither as well, Jake. I guess, to be honest, even though Tim Howard, I think is he's 40, he's 41, he's in his early 40s, Landon Donovan's in his late 30s. I think Tim Howard, if I had to pick one in a, you have to pick one of these guys' fantasy draft, I would take Tim Howard. Sure. But if, um, you, were, so but I if don't, you were bent in the house on, on this question, you would have said neither, yeah. right? I would have said neither, especially he went to Memphis in a front office capacity. So I wouldn't have expected him to step down and, and get back on the field. So, was, yeah, neither. Was, was this a situation, uh, Lucas, and, and I'm sure you don't know the answer to this, uh, but I'm going to ask you anyway because I feel like it. Um, <laughs> was this a situation where Tim Howard said, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going back on the field. I'm retired. I'm done. And then he saw the options in goal for Memphis and he's like, oh, shit, I need to get out there. I, I don't know. I think that's definitely 
again in the in the odds making pyramid of why Tim Howard played that match, that one might be pretty high up there. Uh, my personal favorite is this: um, is that just like he woke up feeling really good one day, right? <laughs> like, he, really feeling himself and like like his muscles were popping in the way they were supposed to and he like crushed his workout and he just went in because he has like almost unmitigated power and he was like guess what boys <laughs> get out of my way <laughs> and that's the thing he's, he's a part he's a part owner if you're a, if you're like another player like let's say you were the previously i don't know who it was but the starting goalkeeper from memphis 901 c are you gonna go complain no, you're fucking right. not, because that's your boss. Yeah, who are you going to complain to? He's got a number one jersey already printed. He's ready to go. Oh. And again, that's—I mean—that's a Team USA legend. It's a Team USA legend, and yes, he had a rough match. Uh, and it's—it's it's also worth pointing out that they have almost the same haircut. Um, so, if only they had played Belgium. Tim Howard would have. <laughs> yeah, no. When when, when I because I went back and I watched the highlights of of that Memphis game. I don't even remember who they played. Uh, but it, it it reminded me of uh, the match against uh, Mexico in 2013, where he was just awful, just terrible, yeah. just really, really bad. Uh, brought back pretty bad memories. Uh, so let's hope that would be worth it, David, to to uh, note the quotes in the article from oh, yeah. the coaches. Oh, if you would. The, the first one, the first one's the best. actually they're all they're all great. <laughs> all right, so they've got three quotes on this question. Uh, all of them again anonymously from different coaches. <laughs> I'm going to read them in order. The first one, it would make a joke of the league if either happened. <laughs> the second, they shouldn't. The third, ridiculous question. Oh. <laughs> Off the table. Terrific. It would never happen. Neither one of those players would ever come back. Uh, interesting. Yeah, same those questions to the, what, however many it was that answered. They're like, I love this question. Yeah. This is a great question. But interested to see if Tim Howard plays uh, when we all are, are back playing again, or if he's like, yeah, I had that one match. I'm not going to do that again. Um, yeah. All right, next question, Jake, uh, was, do you have to adjust your tactics when you play a team in a baseball stadium? I love this question. This is really cool. And I, I wish we had a little more insight in this, and we can get to the quotes here in a minute. Uh, but, uh, Jake, the results on this. It was extremely surprising to me. Uh, the votes for yes were 25. The votes for nine were no. And I would have thought, and this was kind of why I was asking Lucas earlier, if there were minimum dimensions. And then when he mentioned that after, uh, I think, the first match, Pete changed the dimensions of our, of our home pitch, is is I didn't really realize that how much they could vary within our league. And for coaches for 25 against nine to say, yeah, I vary my tactics if it's on a baseball field was shocking to me. And it was pretty eye-opening. Yeah, this this it was surprising to me as well. Um, you know, I would imagine there's a couple little adjustments here and there. And, and this is what I'm talking about where I would love a little more insight just to see kind of the level of adjustment required here. Like if it's a couple things where, okay, yeah, we don't necessarily play as many wide balls uh, because of the, of the width of the field. I guess that makes more sense. You know, we send crosses in lower. But I'm really interested to see, and I would love to have the conversation, and, and coaches wouldn't tell you if you asked, but I would love to have a conversation with a coach to say, just how much do you adjust your tactics when you go into a baseball stadium like are you changing your formations are you changing the way you attack are you changing the way you defend are you changing who you play in specific positions i would love to get inside the brain of some of these coaches on that 
Yeah, it's fascinating. If you if you really think about the length and the width of the pitch and and what your uh, strengths and weaknesses are as a team, if you're uh, a better defensive team, maybe you shrink up and you and you hold down because you're on a smaller baseball field. And there are things I never thought about before I actually read this quote. So, uh, yeah, thankfully, I'm not a coach. Well, some of these quotes, uh, quote, none of the baseball fields are wide enough or long enough. I thought or long enough is really interested there. Interesting there. Uh, this allows less technical teams to be more physical. It makes the game less attractive. And I guess that depends on your opinion of attractive football. I like a one nil win. I, I like a grinded mm-hmm. out match. You know, a lot of people prefer, you know, a five, three win or something like that. And that's fine from time to time. I like uh, defensive football. Um, so I don't know that I necessarily agree with that quote, Lucas. I don't either, and uh, I think we, we've seen that a lot, and uh, again, just being sort of a creep that I am and, and sort of hovering around while much smarter technical minds talk, uh, yeah, Isotopes Park is, is not only an issue for the people that are coming in, it's it's an issue for, for our technical uh, you know vision and what we want to do. Troy is an expansive, possession-oriented coach. The more field you have, the more you can do with that, and right. so... Uh, yeah, I think it I think it dictates a lot. And honestly, like again, being a video game nerd, I love that. I love that you have to change your tactics based on the venue that you're going into. That's like that's the game master sort of mentality is that regardless of the the uh, circumstances, regardless of the context, I know how to win this match and and I love that. And there's a quote there that says to your point Lucas, football matches in any stadium are football matches. Um and you know, you you find ways you adjust to win. There's also a quote here and again, these quotes are supposed to be anonymous, but this one doesn't appear to be. <laughs> we adjusted in Louisville because the pitch was a disgrace and unsafe. I I it says <laughs> we, so I'm assuming that's John Hackworth uh talking shit on his own stadium. Uh well, his previous <laughs> stadium. Now they have a beautiful new stadium that uh yeah. they will enjoy once this is all over. Uh, but I, I find that really interesting. We adjusted. We adjusted. That's important. Uh, and again, John Hackworth, I guess, not concerned about the anonymity there. Yeah, no. And I think Brandon Morris, who worked at Louisville, told me they had a portion of that old pitch that was called like Lake Rensevich or whatever the old goalkeeper's name was, that it was like it was a lake based around his name. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's terrible. All right. Uh, Fun next- fact. Next question. Uh, would a form of promotion and relegation be a good thing for the USL, Mr. Gutierrez? Um, 16 coaches answered yes, 10 answered no, and 8 answered yes, but only MLS, only if the MLS is involved. That's oh, an important wrinkle there. Huge, because you, ha- you have to... We're, we're dealing in a league with MLS affiliates, MLS two teams. Right. And I think the crux of ProRel... If you're trying to involve the MLS, is that um, very rich people have paid a quarter of a billion dollars or more to join the MLS, and they don't want to be subject to relegation. Right. So I think the USL is positioned uniquely to where if they wanted to do uh, promotion relegation, it would work. But then you do have to figure out what to do with the MLS affiliates, and I think that's it's something that's doable, but it's it's a a tough question. And there are other leagues in other parts of the world where you have two teams that are in the same ladder as their one teams. Now, the two teams never exceed their, their one teams, obviously, uh, but it happens. And so I think the, I've heard the argument that, oh, no, you can't do pro-rel pro between MLS and USL because, you know, you have 
uh, you've got Real Monarchs and you have Real Salt Lake. That no, no, that's that's not true. It happens in other parts of the world. Um, but I I do think Lucas that that wrinkle of giving the option yes, but only if MLS is involved makes a big difference. Your thoughts on that? I, I do. I think that is the hugest wrinkle in this question. And uh, in my own like personal sphere, not speaking from a team perspective at all. I've often thought about like, what if the USL was to say, we're going to go the pro rel route and not try and unite with the MLS, but instead like compete with the MLS. Um, and so to me, that's, that's a really sort of interesting thought experiment of like, what if they did that? What if they did sort of cultivate those teams and cultivate those systems? Uh, would the American soccer fan prefer that? Or is, as, as Jake pointed out, the, the sort of pay-to-play people that are already in the equation. But I think if you do that, let's just say in a hypothetical world, the USL institutes pro-rel within its own system. So within uh, USL Championship, USL League 1, USL League 2, and does not include the MLS. I think people will like that. People will prefer that. And when people like that and people prefer that, they will tune in more, which will pressure the MLS to get involved. That's where I stand on it. I agree with you 100%, David. And I think if you uh, segment the, the uh, well, it, it is tough, but I think if you segmented somehow the U23 teams, because obviously we have a New Mexico United U23 team and they're not going to be promoted while we're relegated, uh, you're going to have to figure that piece out. But I think that pro-rel could happen within the USL independent of the MLS. And I like the MLS and I, I, I'm wearing a hat and I enjoy the game, but I, I think that the USL would be a more exciting league one on one against the MLS if there was promotion relegation within it, and I think it would promote expansion too. I think there there that there's a, a movement to uh, within the USL to get soccer specific stadiums and it's doing really well. And I think if you had uh, the excitement with uh, Pro Rel pushing it, I think that it would really boost boost the game as a whole. It's just good for well, the game. I, yeah, I love David's point of just the, you know, uh, almost forced innovation on people, right? That you're choking someone out and, and forcing them to move into a, a new era. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the XFL and all their crazy rules <laughs> and how that's going to influence the NFL. But there is a model there, right? That's not the XFL, but the AFL, right? Which eventually merged with it, that they they did things that were different. They, they forced their competitors to think about things in different ways and, yeah, no, I I would love if 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 Pro Rail was one of those engines that like just totally evolved the sport here in here in North America. And but that that requires a really I'm trying to think of the right adjective here. It requires a brave step from the USL, from Jake Edwards, from the USL Championship, and everybody there. I think they're capable of it. I mean, they've shown that they're willing to take risks, and it's gone well. Um, and we have Jake, Jake put here in chat, you know, how do you guys feel pro-rel in the USL, yay or nay? Uh, let us know your answers here in the chat. Um, but, but there are clubs in various levels of American soccer that deserve the opportunity to move up. And they don't necessarily, they shouldn't have to pay the hundreds of million dollars required to play in the top league of, of American soccer. So a club like Forward Madison, who is innovative, and they put together a great on-the-field product, and they have a great supporters base, and they continue to grow, why not? Why not give them a shot? Why not let them have the opportunity to do so? 
Andrew Bolter right here in chat. We'd love to see innovative clubs like Forward Madison and honestly even Chattanooga FC, Detroit City FC, who are not even USL affiliated, uh, get a chance to go up too. That's the way it should be, in my opinion. Expos Away Days, who is an LAFC, uh, one of the LAFC uh, supporters, is a big fan of that. You know, it, pro it just should be that way. That is what competition in this situation, competition breeds success. Competition breeds increased uh, appetite for better soccer um, and encourages teams to, like, if you have the opportunity to get to the highest level, you're going to want to compete for that. I could talk about pro rel forever, um, but this is, in my opinion, the way it should be. But the teams, David, uh, like Cincinnati and Sacramento, who's going up Just in 2022, the yeah, they're they're not going to have any interest in the risk of being demoted down to a second tier. Yeah, absolutely agree. And and the U.S. Soccer Federation, uh, who is a corrupt, horrible, awful organization uh, and should be ashamed of everything that they do um they are horrendous uh lucas sorry if i put you in a weird spot here um but uh <laughs> they they have a stranglehold they have a stranglehold um on the governing body uh that oversee that would be able to institute pro rel the the mls has a stranglehold on it they have i want to say something like seven of the ten seats or something to that effect on the board so they have zero incentive you know, if you are a, even if, if you're a lower level MLS club, you know, if you're towards the bottom, of course you have no incentive. Like, okay, my team plays well, then all of a sudden I'm no longer in the top tier, of course. So as long as the U.S. Soccer Federation allows the MLS to have a stranglehold on the U.S. soccer governing body on that board, you'll never see pro route instituted with MLS involved, period, bar none. It's a shame. It's, and it's 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 terrible, right? Like I I hate that uh, I hate when the status quo gets in the way of of something that can be better. I hate when when good gets in the way of perfect. And like uh, anyone you ever talk to, one of the best on ramps, right? Like if you ever want someone to love the game of football, is to talk about pro rel, yeah, right? To talk about the European systems, and they're like, oh my gosh, like. So games at the end of the season matter, and you're like, so much. Like, that's how I onboarded my brother, right? Like, he got really hooked on leads, right? That, that they were going to try and make this jump back up and then telling him the story around it. Like, it's it's compelling sport. It's the best of sport. Yeah. Um, and it's sad that it seems so far away from, from where we're at. Yeah, and, and Lindsay in, in the chat said, yes, but I think MLS needs to be a part of it. I agree. I agree that we need to get there. But I think the first step needs to be without them because they won't do it on their own. And we got to push them to do it. Uh, we being the USL and, and, and quote unquote lower leagues. I don't like that term, but I think you got to push them to get there. Cause they're not going to go there on their own. Um, we could talk about pro rel for about 10 years. Um, but let's, uh, let's move on. Should MLS two teams be dropped to league one, Mr. Gutierrez? 22 coaches voted no and 12 voted yes, which I would have, if I would have guessed before this ballot were submitted, I would have probably flipped them. Me so too. I'm surprised that so many coaches said no on that one. Yeah, and I wonder why. Why, why do you think that is, Jake? I, I, I'm shocked by this. I, I figure more coaches would have said, obviously you have your MLS2 coaches who are answering this question, so there's some of your votes there, but I'm surprised by this. Well, I, I guess there's, what, a third of the team are affiliates, or a third of the league, I'm sorry. So that, But that still doesn't account for the majority. So it was still a little surprising to me. Maybe it was respect to the players who are, and the, and the coaches and the staff and everybody who's making these teams, uh, you know, viable. But as, as far as the experience for a, a USL2, uh, MLS2 team, I'm sorry, it just seems like it, 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 it does seem 
less exciting when you watch it on TV, when you go to see it in person. And so I thought that if the two teams, and obviously there's exceptions like Rail Monarchs, but you the, most of those teams like Galaxy 2, they draw 500 people at tops. And so I, I, I do think that as a fan, it would be wise to put those guys in their own in their own conference or their own division, but the coaches disagree. And it's, it's worth noting that twice in USL Championship history, a two-team has won it. Obviously, last year with Real Monarchs. Um, and in 2016, New York Red Bulls, too, won the championship. So worth noting that, you know, there there is this thought that, okay, champion, I mean, uh, two teams aren't going to be able to be competitive in the championship. That's not necessarily true. We see some really quality two teams. That's not the argument. And I, I'm, I'm in the yes camp on this. They should be dropped to League One. The argument, uh, in, in my opinion, is what you're saying, Jake. It's it's, it's an atmosphere thing, um, particularly when that two team is in the same city or very close to the uh, the, the 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 mothership, if you will. Um, you know, mm-hmm. for example, Tacoma playing so close to to the Sounders. I mean, they don't get a lot of fans out there. You know, uh, Bethlehem Steel now Philadelphia Union two. When they were in Bethlehem, they did much better because that was their city, that was their club. But now they're playing in Camden, right outside of Philadelphia, and nobody goes to the matches. So that's my argument. I agree with you, Jake. It's it's not necessarily that they can't be competitive because we've seen that they can. It's more so it's an atmosphere thing. It's is this what you want at your premier level of of, of the championship of your club of of your league? Yeah, I think we saw that opening weekend, or actually it was the second weekend. It might have been the home opener for Tacoma, though. Yeah. No, that was close door. But we, we saw so many, so many uh, sparse attendance on opening weekend, and the and the unfortunately the two teams just really have a, a t- tough time drawing because you know why do you want to go for, I guess chop beef when you can have the steak or whatever the the metaphor is. You know if you have the. The, the first league team, a lot of people aren't going to go to watch a, an affiliate. Yeah, which is a shame. I mean, I wish more people would, but it's it's tough to ask of, of people sometimes. You understand why they wouldn't. Um, you know, not everybody is into lower league football, like the idiots who are on this podcast. Um, but, yeah. but, uh, dude, I'm cool. Sure, sure. Let's <laughs> go with that. Um, but, but to, I mean, Lucas, were you surprised by these answers? I, uh, was a little bit. Um, but again, I just think it goes back to, again, here's where I'll get a, a little bit crazy with my boy Jeff over at the athletic. Like you have to understand who you're talking to with coaches. Mm-hmm. Like all we care about is winning and like doing tactical stuff. <laughs> That's a good point. As good as Troy has been to me and like answering my ridiculous questions and hanging out with me, there's always this like undergirding of like what you're doing right now is like very secondary or probably tertiary to like my primary purpose. Like I'm here to win football games. And so I think when you ask them questions about like should league or I'm sorry, uh, MLS two teams be dropped down, they're like, I don't care. Like I just want to beat everyone that's right in front of me. Um, now amongst us like i'm in total agreement with you guys i think you're 100 percent right it's an atmospheric thing i think we've seen some very very organizations um but i think there's just something sort of you know weird from like a connotation standpoint about like a two team right like the, the like there's a league where like your your b team gets to compete in it like it's like if i had a fighting league and then there was like a B Lucas <laughs> in a lesser league. Hey, hey, hey like, spoiler alert, you're the B Lucas. Uh, so again, poor metaphor because I could not fight anyone, but I don't that's, think that's I don't think you heard I me. I don't think you heard me. You are the B Lucas. 
Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we are running low on time here, so I want to get to one more question here. Um, I, it was one that I thought was particularly interesting. Uh, Jake, if you were the USL com- Championship Commissioner for a day, so if you were Jake Edwards and you had that full head of hair like he does, um, what would be <laughs> your top priority to change? Okay, so uh, the number one answer by far was uh, get USL teams out of baseball stadiums slash improve facilities league-wide, 12 votes. Uh, distance second was improve officiating. RJ Montano, I think, voted three times for that. Uh, <laughs> install a promotion relegation system, received two votes. No more anonymous surveys got two votes. And, and 12, 12 other answers got one. Troy so, Lassane voted for no more anonymous surveys. He had to. Probably, yeah. Um, so, uh, before we, uh, get to this guys, if you have questions for Jake or for Lucas or for me, uh, put them in the chat. Now we're going to get to those questions here in just a minute, uh, before we head out. But, uh, on this one, I think all of the things that are included here are great shouts. Um, except for, I do like the anonymous survey. So let's throw that one out. Um, for me, none more important than improving officiating, uh, your guys thoughts on this. Well, yeah, I think it's really, we watch all the matches and I, the officials are trying their absolute best, but these guys are also, I, there's not a huge flock of officials uh, that are fighting each other for these spots. So I think that these guys are trying to work their, their position up. They're trying to work up the ladder, but there's not a ton of competition. These guys are, are, are uh, uh, pretty proficient, but there's there's just not a, like a lot of guys pushing them. I don't I don't believe so. I, I, as as much as I think improving the officiating is key. If I'm Jake Edwards, I'm I'm making pro rel happen tomorrow. That's my number one drop in the gavel decision. That's why you're the the best Jake on the face of this earth. <laughs> Thanks for saying so. <laughs> best Lucas. Great, great. All right, this is over now. Yeah, that could stop right now. Lucas should never get a goddamn compliment on this podcast ever. Uh, RJ's going to be pissed at me for allowing that to happen. Um, But but your thoughts on this, Lucas? If you're Jake Edwards for a day, uh, what's what's step number one? Uh, I just I look at not necessarily a pro rel system, but I look at a more dynamic competition system that takes into account all these things people are saying. Right. If we want to see Eastern Conference and Western Conference teams interacting with each other, let's come up with a way to do that. Um, Let's let's make it reasonable. Let's make it like fiscally, you know, manageable. Like there's a million things that go into that. But like, let's not be just so binary. Right, that like if you're on this side, you got to be in the Western Conference, and you got to be in the Eastern Conference here. Um, and simplicity always makes things better, but I think complexity makes it more interesting. Like we look at the March Madness tournament, we love those those sort of regional setups. Like let's draw from that as much as possible, um, and then yeah, improve officiating. Please cut that last part. Well, and I think it's important to to think about how you read this question, right? If if I'm Jake Edwards and uh, I can wave a magic wand and something can happen, you know, I have the ability to fix whatever I want on day one, then for me, it's officiating. That's number one. Uh, that is the thing that needs to be fixed. It is the thing, in my opinion, when I talk about the USL and people ask me, okay, what's the worst thing about the USL? It's officiating and it's not close. Um, with that said, if we're talking about, okay, what can I do on day one, start work towards on day one that is feasible, that I have the power to change, the power mm-hmm. to start change towards, that's pro rel. So I guess right. it depends on how you read the question. Right. I feel like changing the officiating would take years because who are the, there needs to be a legion of, 
of uh, qualified officials who are pushing they the just officials don't exist. now. They don't exist. And they don't. Right. And so these guys that we we love to yell at and scream at are trying their very best. And the game moves very fast. These guys are probably calling lower league games and they're probably calling college games. And they're up here trying their best. And there's nobody to push them. And so it's a, it's a tough situation I think we find ourselves in. Yeah, I, I agree. Now we're in a crazy philosophical thing. If you guys have ever listened to Michael Lewis's podcast where it, it just kind of talks about the referee in American society, but even bigger, like how long has the EPL been around? And like just being moderately new to the game and myself. Mike Dean is still an official. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like there are people that have been around in EPL and European soccer forever that are still the, the constant subject and target of like, oh my God, they're the worst. Like, I think it's just the nature of a ref. So, yeah, Jake, I agree with you, dude. Like, that's a tale as old as time. Like, uh, crappy refereeing. How, how do you scrub that away? Yeah. It's, we can it, only boo. That's the thing. <laughs> we can complain about it, and we certainly do. Uh, but, again, if, if you don't have a magic wand, uh, you're not just all of a sudden going to be able to, oh, yeah, there's this crop of officials that are all really great and are going to improve the game. If, if they were there, they would already be officiating, right? All right. Well, uh, this was a long podcast. This is longer than we typically go. Sorry, RJ, who is going to be editing this. Uh, and Novar, agree with that, Andrew Bolte. Uh, thank you to everybody who uh, who tuned in uh, here on the pod on Twitch. We are live here. Um, if you get a chance, hit that uh, the, the follow button, the heart button up at the top. Uh, we would appreciate that. Um, it'll let you know when we are live um, and, and helps us kind of get the word out more. Lucas and Jake, uh, thank you both for filling in admirably uh, for RJ, who is uh, who we hope to have back next week. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we talked Pro-Rel for way too long. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. So thank you guys so much. Uh, anything else you guys want to hit on before we hit the road? Thank you for having me. RJ, I miss you very much. Can't wait to have you back next week so I can talk crap in the comments again where I belong. <laughs> Lucas, anything before we head out? Uh, yeah, love you all. Uh, you're amazing, uh, Jake, probably more than anyone else. All right, gentlemen. Right back at you. Gentlemen, I need you to uh, not do that, first of all. Uh, second, I need you to uh, do this for me because my partner is not here with me. RJ is out today. So uh, I need you to help me. We got you. Until next time, somos unidos. We are united. Well done, gentlemen. Well done. For the taking, the earth is shaking from that groovy quaking. Coming out of this guitar, and the beat goes on and on and on. Someday.